Thanks for joining us today, especially those who are watching from our Alder Grove campus. We are so glad that you have gathered today. Uh, I love Christmas. For the most part, it brings memories to me of family and celebrations and food and relaxing. And every year as a church, we look back at where this all started. And it's amazing that every year we try and learn something new from the characters involved. Now, if you didn't know anything about the story that we're going to look at, you might jump to the conclusion and say that these are all random events. Today, I hope that I can show you that all of these random events come together and connect and make some, and make some sense and maybe make something amazing. Maybe these random events will show us that God is getting involved in humanity in a very, in a very real way that maybe many didn't even notice. Our life, like this story, is full of randomness. We all have these random events occur. When good and bad things happen, we think that everything needs to fit and connect and it needs to make sense in our lives. But I don't think that this is just a Christian thing. I think this is a human thing. No matter who you are, we all face huge events that will drastically change your life. And in all of this, you want these random events to make sense. There's something in you that makes you want it to, want it to fit in the overall plan in your life. You want it to happen for a reason. I don't think this is a religious thing. We just all want it to make sense. Now, it's especially true if it's a bad event. We want it to be worth it. And we've created these phrases that reinforce this idea to try and make ourselves feel better. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, don't waste the pain, or I don't believe in coincidences, or how about this one? Everything happens for a reason. Really? Everything? Uh, I believe that the whole Bible is a story of God getting involved with with his creation. But the Christmas story, it's the best example of God getting involved, rubbing shoulders with his creation. It's a story of God coming down in flesh and blood with purpose and mixing it up with the, the affairs of mankind. This idea of God getting involved collides with this Christmas story, because this story is a great example of God being involved in the randomness of life, the chaos of life. God is letting us know that through this story that he is involved and there is a design, there is a plan. Today, I'd like to read a part of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1, and you can turn there now in your Bibles or log onto your smartphones with your YouVersion app. Before we look at what Luke has to say, let me give you a little background on Luke, this guy named Luke. Luke was someone who didn't get to meet Jesus face to face, but he had a very important role in the very first church. Historians tell us that Luke was a doctor in the first century who became a follower of Jesus through the apostle Paul. Now, at that time, they didn't record history the way that we do, the, the way we record it today. Literacy wasn't very high, so they didn't write a lot of the stuff down. People just, they just told stories. They sat around and told stories. There, there, there was a very strong oral tradition. And many of the Christians thought that Jesus might come back in their lifetime, so why write it down? They didn't have paper like we have. They had parchment paper, and that was really expensive. And if Jesus, wasn't, if Jesus was coming back right away, and people can't even read, why bother? As people started to die and Jesus wasn't coming back, maybe they thought, maybe we should record some of these stories so the next generation will know about Jesus. Luke didn't want the stories to die with the people who witnessed them. Now, if you're a little skeptical about reading the Bible, you know, if you stop believing the Bible around the time that you stop believing in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy, I want you to listen how this 2,000-year-old document begins. And as I read, I want you to ask yourself, does this sound like the beginning of a fairy tale? 
This, this is how Luke's account starts in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke writes, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been filled amongst us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I've also decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Now, the start of Luke doesn't sound like once upon a time in the magical kingdom of Bethlehem, there was a special prince. Or it doesn't even sound like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Luke makes it sound like you won't have to suspend reality to get the point. You know, this doesn't even sound like religious talk. Luke wanted to write an account so that future generations would know what happened during their lifetime. Maybe you didn't know that was in the Bible. Maybe you should just read it just a little bit more. So let's jump down to find out what Luke discovered in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is what Luke writes, and check out the detail. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now why would he say six months? Because he was a doctor. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Now imagine the drama with this angel showing up. And the virgin's name is Mary. Now maybe just a little background on Mary. Mary at the time, was probably a teenage girl. And if she was like every other teenage girl in that part of the world at that time in history, her parents would have had planned out her whole life. This was the plan. Mary was going to grow up and learn to be a wife and a mom from her mother. She'd be helping with the household chores and with the younger kids from the time that she could take on responsibility. There was no hope for Mary to be anything else other than a wife or a mom. She was going to marry a guy who was probably a lot older than her, and she probably had no input on who he was, and she might have met him on their wedding day. Now, ladies, aren't you glad you live here in, in the 21st century? Maybe Luke is saying, your story might seem like a random set of events, but just like Mary's story, God is up to something. God is involved in your life. I think that's a desire we all have that the hard circumstances that we're experiencing is going somewhere, that God is still involved somehow. And this is what we want. We don't want randomness. We want purpose. And that's what God brings in our lives. So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, after the background we just talked about, and the plan for young women, that's an interesting reading. Verse 29 says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She's probably thinking, what in the world? I've never seen an angel. I've never seen the Lord. Favored woman? What, the Lord is with me? What, what does that even mean? <laughs> Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. There it is again, that, that word favored. Mary, God has favored you. He is with you. Now, when I hear the Lord is with you, do, do you know what I think? I think that God is involved in her life, that she has someone on her side. Now, watch how confident the angel is with what he's about to say will happen. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. <laughs> I wonder if at that point she was having a little conversation in her head, <laughs> maybe saying things like, 
do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> I, I think you got the wrong address. You want to check that address for me real quick? Uh, I'm not really anyone special. I'm just a, a teenage girl. I'm going to do what my parents tell me to do. My plan is to get married and have babies and I'll die and they'll have babies and my kids will die and no one will know our names. After that statement from the angel, she only verbalized confusion over one little detail. In verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. It's a good point. Mary asked the question that any teenage girl would ask. How are you going to have a baby while you're still a virgin? Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Now, how many of you have heard the phrase, the Son of God, and associated that with the name of Jesus? <laughs> this is what the angel said was going to happen. And 2,000 years later, when we hear Jesus, Son of God, that doesn't surprise us. But do you know how blasphemous that was in the first century? Do you know how crazy that sounded to Mary? Mary, Mary you're going to have a son, and the father that you're engaged to isn't going to be the father. And his reputation is going to be Son of God. This child's reputation can be son of God. Now from this child's backstory, you know the whole teenage virgin birth narrative, you think that child would have a reputation, but son of God probably wouldn't be the first thing that jumped into your head. The angel left that day and Mary went to try and live a normal life. But how can you live a normal life when you've been given that news? The angel never showed up to her again. But I bet she wished he would show up. Because all of a sudden, her life got complicated. She was this pr pregnant teenage girl with a far-fetched far explanation as to why she was pregnant. I can guarantee there were days where Mary prayed for the angel to come back, just to explain some things, maybe even just to her parents, <laughs> just, just to help her see that God was still involved in her life. Then years go by and her little boy grows into a man. He, he does some amazing things. Crowds follow him. People get healed. People are so hopeful because of this Jesus. I wonder how many times over the years Mary wishes she could have been reassured that God was with her, that God was still involved. Because then Mary would experience the most unimaginable pain and sorrow that any mother could experience as she stood outside a courtyard one spring day and she, she heard her son beat to an inch of his life. Then that same day, she watched him carry a cross and die in an unimaginable death in front of the crowds. Now, Romans had perfected the act of crucifixion. They made sure that a criminal lived as long as they could while they hung on this cross. Everything the Romans did during the crucifixion sent a message, and the message was clear. Don't mess with Rome. This mother watched her son die. Now, we know how this all worked out. We know the end of the story. We've been to church at Easter. She may have stood there thinking the conversation, of the conversation that she had with this angel over 30 years ago. You know, he said I was favored. He said the Lord is with me. I don't feel like God is with me. It doesn't look like he's involved in my life. He told me, he told me that my son's kingdom would last forever. It doesn't look like that now. It looks to be over. God, God I thought that it meant that you'd be involved in my life. Whenever these seem to be lost and some thought that God had not, some thought that God had lost control, this was God's greatest involvement in mankind. God had sent his son into the world to pay for the sins of everyone. 
God was involved in her life all the way through. You know that thing in you that wants order, that wants purpose, that thing in you that wants everything to work out for good? That's the thumbprint of God. At Christmas, when we celebrate God with us, that thing in you, that thumbprint of God in you that wants everything to fit together is confirmed at Christmas as God sent his son into the world to do an extraordinary thing, to make all of the random events fit together and understand that he is still involved in your life. So about 25 years after the story of Mary, the Apostle Paul would look back with the advantage of having history on his side having an encounter with a risen Jesus on a dirty road, and after hearing about the birth and the death of Jesus and the resurrection, with all the time he spent with Peter and all the other disciples, and hearing what Luke had found out through this interview, he wrote letters to different churches. Paul, he puts this in perspective. Paul would say this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Paul tells us that this God who chose us has a plan for us, and he works out everything for us. Well, when Paul says everything, do you know what that means? If you're taking notes, maybe you should write this down, because this is going to get deep really fast. I took a Greek in college. When Paul says everything, it means everything. God makes everything work out according to his plan. This is the order that you long for. This is God putting pieces into place. This is God involved in that everything. Now, let's jump back into the story of Mary. She didn't quite say it like that. She wasn't as eloquent as Paul, but she says it in a way that I understand. When the angel finishes revealing the plan to Mary, she doesn't know all the details. She doesn't know the cross, the resurrection. She didn't know that we'd all gather in her son's name once a week. She didn't know that when we, hear her, when we hear her son's name, we think son of God. At the end of the conversation with the angel, she says something that I hope that I can say in the midst of the randomness that I find myself in. And I hope you can say it as well. Maybe it will help us remember that God is still involved. She says in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. You know what the takeaway is for me? I don't know what you've been told about faith and how it's been defined for you. Maybe you grew up in a church and you were told that faith is what moves God. But I'm convinced of this. Perfect faith isn't faith that moves God. Perfect faith is the faith that moves us to trust God. Perfect faith believes in him when it doesn't seem like he's going to move. Perfect faith is faith, is, it moves us when it seems like he's not moving. Perfect faith knows that God is involved in our days even when we don't feel him. Knowing that God is involved even when he seems not to be. You know, perfect faith says, we got married just like we planned. But then life handed us something that we weren't ready for. Maybe after years of trying to have kids, the doctors have told you that you can't. Perfect faith says, I'm the Lord's servant. I don't know where this event fits, but I know God is going to put it all together. I know, God, that you are still there. You're still involved. Maybe life handed you a job loss. Life has thrown you a curveball, something that you didn't plan. Perfect faith says, I am the Lord's servant. I don't know where this piece of my life fits, but I'm going to trust you to put it all together because I know, God, you're still there and you're still involved. 
My desire isn't to move God back into my plan. Because if you think about it, if you're moving God into your plans, if he's there to do whatever you want, (laughs) he's not God. You are. (laughs) I want a bigger God than me. I want my faith to be designed to help me trust God in spite of the fact that life isn't moving the way that I want it to. Perfect faith is what Mary had. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Good news. Regardless of what life has handed to you, regardless of what you're experiencing, God is involved. That thing in you that wants to find purpose, that, that's a good thing. That thing in you that says there has to be more, this can't be random, that's a good thing, a thumbprint of God. God has a plan for your life. Paul says God makes everything work out according to his plan. For some of you, in the past two or three weeks, you might have been handed something you weren't expecting. For some of you, there's this tension in your marriage you didn't see coming. For some of you, you got bad news about your health. Maybe the health of a child, someone that you love. For some of you, you got some news at work. Now you're staring at your life (laughs) and you're wondering, where does this fit? You might even be asking, God, are you still involved? I'm not sure what to do with this. And to be honest, it's it's very difficult for me to trust God with this staring at me in the face. I don't know exactly what to do with this, but I want to be able to say, like Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. I want to know that you are still involved. I want God to be able to redeem your situation. I want God to take this randomness that you have in your life and make it good. And I don't want you to lose hope just because you can't understand how God is still involved. Let's pray. Father, I know that there's somebody here who's watching today who's had this random event handed to them, some tragedy, some, something that they didn't plan. God, I pray that just like Mary, she was able to just pause and just know that you do have a plan in all this. So God, we thank you and praise you for the plan that you have for all of our lives. Help us to trust you with it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today, would you take some time and think about what we just talked about? Here's the question today. This is just an opportunity, a question for you to reflect on what we've just talked about. Here's the question of the day. Do you believe that God can work everything for his purpose in your life? (laughs) Take a minute and talk to those who are with you today or, or think about it on your own. In a minute, if you're wondering if God is still involved in your life, I want you to know that you're not alone. Now, it might look like you have it all together, You are watching and you might think that God's not involved in your life. You hear that he is involved, but you need to feel it and it's kind of scary for you. On the outside, it looks like you have everything together, but something is always on your mind. It it might consume every thought. And, And if you don't stay busy, your thoughts go right back to this situation. You might even be afraid for your future. You want to know that God is still involved. Now, I'm gonna ask you to do something that might get you out of your comfort zone. If this is you, I'm gonna ask you to identify yourself in a minute for a few reasons. Number one, I want you to know that you're not the only person who feels this. And number two, I want you to know that you don't have to do this alone. There are people who will pray for you. Just, just like the angel had a message for Mary. I think he has a message for you today as well. And this is, this is the message I feel God has for you. God is with you even when you don't feel him. God is involved in your life even when you don't know he's there. 
So maybe today you're watching today and you're facing an event in your life and you want to know that you're not facing it alone and you want to know that God is still involved. If that's you today, I just want you to type in the, ch in the chat box. All I want you to type is pray for me. Whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, just type in pray for me. And if you're watching and you'd like to pray, just respond to those who are responding today by just typing praying. You don't have to know what they need prayer for. It's just a simple prayer that they would know that God is involved in their lives. And now, if you're typing prayer for me, remember that not everyone watches at the same time. So if no one responds immediately, it doesn't mean that no one will be praying for you. So take a minute right now, right now, open up that chat box and just type in pray for me. Well, to wrap up this message, let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Thanks so much for joining us today. We sure hope you have a fantastic Advent season, and hopefully we'll see you back here next weekend.